Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and I'm coming at you straight from the perch, and this is Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to super encourage everybody to go listen to that super long Attack on Titan podcast in the feed right before this episode. I um, shotgunned all of Attack on Titan because I'm insane, and I'd love if you go listen to it because I have some real thoughts about that show and what it's trying to do, so definitely go check it out, but today I am going to be talking about something that I was kind of, not, well, I don't want to use the word forced, I don't want, I want to say that I was forced to ponder on this because I really wasn't, it is of my own, it is of my own chosen torture. Um, I want to talk about and this is motivated by the Crunchyroll Originals, like, title, Freak Angels. Because I watched that thing and it, like, it stunned me how bad it was. In the same way, in, interestingly, that it stunned me how bad um, High Guardian Spice and um, God of High School were. Uh, it, it just... And it got me to thinking about original adaptations and the streaming networks and how they and how the streaming networks have handled like not just the, not just the animations but especially original adaptations of animation going forward. Because if you look at if you look at Crunchyroll in like the streaming landscape it is it's in a oddly unique position and it's it's in a position that other services like it are not in or when they found themselves in they've attempted they've attempted some variation of uh, trying to make an original and then did even if they did an okay job didn't really were, were satisfied with the result not being what they wanted and kind of said okay we're going to we're going to not do this so before we get started here i want to talk about um Joe Rogan which i know is like a, will be a weird transition but is i think best illustrative of why Studios feel the need to, why all these streaming services feel the need not only to um, do original, but have have exclusives in the, in the way that they do. So, if you haven't been following the news, Joe Rogan caused a whole bunch of shit by, you know, spreading vaccine misinformation. But the important thing to kind of realize about Joe Rogan is, like, yes, he's, uh, is that, yes, he's an asshole, but he is essentially a shock jock DJ from the 90s. He's not a new phenomenon. Spreading weird, bad information on 
the radio when it was the radio and not podcasting is nothing new. But the reason that Spotify essentially hired him into an exclusive contract, because that's really what they did, he's getting like $100 million for an exclusive contract for probably, from what The Verge said, most likely about two to three a two to three year deal. It's because the the issue with Spotify is that it is essentially a music streaming service, and there are huge full range of podcasts, Joe Rogan, and Gimlet, and whoever whatever other like major podcast deals they've done, like the one they did with the Obamas. Is the attempt at doing is the attempt at differentiating them from say the, from their two main competitors, a title and title that streaming service started by Jay Z and like Daft Punk and have, they got all these people in a room for a picture handshake for a handshake picture. It was wild. Um, or um, the other one. Which is Apple Music. I can't believe I forgot that. I subscribed to Apple Music. But bottom line is everybody kind of has the same library because nobody makes, maybe with the exception of some people who are exclusive to Tidal because Tidal has a different um, agreement around artist profits, which is, which is why Tidal, which is kind of exclusively why Tidal was started. Um... There's nothing to differentiate the catalog all that much. Unless you get into the nitty-gritty of, like, country-by-country licensing, and then you can just kind of listen to whatever you want on Spotify. You don't... It's not country-gated in the same way a um, an Apple Music would be. I'm not sure about title. But that's the long and short of it, of why, you know, um, Spotify... Joe Rogan in in their back pocket. It's a way to create a difference between them and Apple Music. So when they go to a platform and want to get their app on that platform, they say like, yeah, yeah, you can not have us on your platform, but a bunch of people who listen to Joe Rogan will have to leave your platform in order to do it. And Joe Rogan has like millions of listeners. Um, but long and short of it is the reason why I'm saying that why I'm giving you this story up front here is a because it's topical, but b because but really b because it's a demonstration of why the streaming services do things like original programming, exclusive programming. Why say Netflix did this big deal with Gundam to to help produce Gundam Hathaway, and then all of a sudden you see all this, all these Gundam shows on Netflix. That's not a coincidence. That is Netflix making a play for your average Gundam fan, like, say, Alan. Hi, Alan! <laughs> and saying, like, okay, we'll absolutely give you the money to produce, to produce Gundam Hathaway, as long as it is exclusive to our prep platform for however many years, and we also want 
the first and second original Gundam series, which are currently sitting doing that whole lot elsewhere. And we can put that and Gundam Hathaway as like a package deal in front of um, a fan in front of viewers who are likely to watch them and we can keep their eyeballs on Netflix. And that's the reason why Netflix does all of its original programming. All of the Netflix original, be them, and this is the thing that's obnoxious about Netflix original, is sometimes they are actual original programs like um, House of Cards, for example. And sometimes they are merely things that they are contributing money to and would have been produced any and would have been produced anyway with a different um, financing team or board the way much much of the anime we all watch and consume is produced. And Netflix just stepped up to the table, threw down money and said, make this thing. Uh, and said, we'll help you make this thing. And the studio said, okay, we'll take that money. But the thing about Netflix is they are smart, actually, for going to studios and saying, do what you're going to do anyway, but this time it goes on Netflix. <laughs> it, it's not... And also... Services like Netflix and companies like Netflix have the have the raw cash to not necessarily produce a show, but go after properties that are kind of exactly what you'd want. Uh, if you remember, Netflix was the first attempt at like an expansion of a Marvel universe. Outside of movies. Now Disney has Disney Plus. And they can like produce their own shit. And they can make things like Loki. Um, or Thor Love and Thunder. Kind of whenever they want. But at the time. Da- things like Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Two shows that are. Really good. And. Really high end TV shows. Were being produced. Marvel and Disney took their business to Netflix because that's where the eyeballs were. They didn't have an app yet and it made it made a lot of sense. It helped them build the side of the Marvel Universe that they were interested in building and needed to be built for story purposes. But there are already a ton of Daredevil there are already a ton of Daredevil movies, so like free or something. And there were already a lot. And something like Jessica Jones lends itself more to a TV show. Because it's more of a TV scale of a character and story. Than a movie series. At least at the time. Now. The last one I want to talk about before I get to the Crunchyroll originals. Which I think is where this gets interesting. Is I want to talk about. Um. The uh, the newest the, the newest and uh, recent um, original animation on and also a slight odd approach of 
licensing exclusive animation on Amazon. Amazon's first huge original programming thing was Transition with Jeffrey Tambor. And that was a show about an older guy transitioning from being a guy into a girl. And it won a lot of awards. It put them on, it put Prime Video on the map in a way that it wasn't. But anime is such, it, while anime is a niche programming, programming, like vertical, so to speak, and marketing speak, it's really a important one and it's big enough where a service like Crunchyroll can exist and have a million and have a million subscribers and so of course places like Amazon places like Netflix places like Hulu are interested in having those things on their service but Amazon took an odd approach first with licensing and that they didn't license a specific show they went to a programming block. They went to the Noitamina block, which if you don't know what Noitamina is, Noitamina is kind of the programming block that is, I forget what channel it's on but in Japan, but it's best known for like experimental, mature, um, complex programming. Something like um, A Paradise Kiss first, first aired on Noitamina. And so what they did was they licensed that whole block. They said anything from Noitamina comes here. And that's why you got Recreators on Netflix. That's why you got um, Inyoshiki, I believe it is, on Netflix. Um, and that's why you got um, the Viking anime, I forget the name of it, um, on Vinland Saga on Netflix. Uh, on um, not Netflix, on, on Amazon Prime. And it became a problem because everybody was like, you have to pay for Prime to get to these shows. And for a while, they had a service called Anime Strike that got them to the, the like, you had to pay an extra $5 on top of the Prime service, which is like 100 and change a year. Um, but it was this weird bad player. It was a weird, bad, like, double gate keeping you out of seeing the shows unless you wanted to do it illegally, which lots of people did and still do. Um, but the other interesting dimension of this is they were also producing original animated programmings like, um, programs like Invincible from, la from like, the last, se from last season, from a couple seasons ago. Or, like, currently, Vox Machina. And those are more traditional, very um, lauded Western animations. With certainly anime-inspired, like, moments to them. But not really, like, something like a Freak Angels. Or, like, a God of High School. Or an Inspector. Or something like that that you might find on Crunchyroll. And I'm watching Vox Machina, and I watched Invincible, and I really liked Invincible. I'm waiting for the second season of it. Um, I'm watching Vox Machina, and it's it's a it's a fun show. But they are a very well produced and pretty well paced and really sought out, and they are 
from either a fan known team or a like a popular indie comic that was actually in print before anything else. Um, and then, and Vox Machina will will probably do very well for Prime and Invincible with a breakout like stunning success for Prime. It changed uh, it changed the trajectory of who will read that comic and who has experienced that comic in a major way. But therein lies the therein lies the rub for a place like Crunchyroll. So Crunchyroll's um announced a while ago its initial slate for um for originals and I want to talk about some of them I want to mention the list because I, it's a it's an interesting list um there's a list from the verge by the way it's, it's in no particular order um first it's freak angels based on a web comic Second is Meiji Gakuen, Sword and Gun. Um, I don't believe this has come out yet. Uh, Onyx Equinox, I know, came out. Um, Noblesse came out a couple, I think a couple years ago, and it was, it was pretty well received at first, and I don't remember what the, like, feeling on it was. Um, The God of High School, Tower of God was hugely well... And Tower of God, which was hugely well received. Um, there's also, I believe, Inspector and um, High Guardian Spice, obviously. And these these shows are some of them are original are original anime that clearly Crunchyroll is working with the studio and they're putting. They're, they're contributing the money. Um, they've done stuff like that before, like the, the little chibi like cartoon saying that they have been on the production staff for for a long time. Now they're not the first anime company to do this, of course. Um, Dimension W, I did a show on it. You can go check that out in the feed below. Is another is another example of this where. Um, Funimation actually hunted, like, found the source material or, like, approached the owner of the source material said, we want to produce this as an animated series. And that show looks... Dimension W looks great. And it's a... It's a pretty okay... um, sci-fi story with, like, some weird hooks that feel that feel not as great as they could be but it's a, it's an okay show it's it's got it's got a man, imagination it's got great visualization it's got an incredible opening <laughs> like an incredible opening and it it's much more in the mold of what uh, i think anybody would expect out of an original an originally produced Exclusive show to a um, to a to a streaming service would look like. Then that was a couple. That was a bunch of years ago. And now again, it's the issue of Freak Angels and of High High Guardian Spice and um, of 
the what was it called? It was the Aztec Boy Robot Lion Show. Um, it Onyx Equinox. The these three shows in particular have a bigger problem in that they are they are essentially. Kind of like a toss-up between something like Vox Machina and, say, the, like, weird anime-inspired episodes of Rick and Morty, of which are a couple. They don't really... They don't really... They aren't what something like Crunchyroll's audience is looking for. Crunchyroll's audience doesn't come to Crunchyroll for a show like High Guardian Spice that feels like it would come out and be popular in, say, the early 2000s, like, midpoint of the anime bubble, basically, when anime was so popular that anything that referenced it also kind of grabbed at this popularity and could hold it. Um, th- this is also true of something like, um, especially the second season of um, Ruth Dutis's, um original Genlock. Uh, although Genlock has other things going for it and against it, certainly. But that, in addition to the being able to go after a content problem that Crunchyroll clearly has. And what I mean by that is they they very clearly aren't willing to spend the money. I'm not sure if they if they don't have it at their fingertips or if they just they just wanna be more cautious about what they're spending on acquiring like licensing and stuff for certain show for adapting a property into an original work, but you go and you look at something like um, Wheel of Time on on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime poured money into that show. Like say what you want about that show, I watched the first episode. I was a little bored, but um, they poured money into that show. Or you know what? Even better. Take a look at Foundation from Apple TV+. Plus. That is like their marquee, their biggest, freaking like highest budget. Look at us just like dump our Apple money dump truck on a production production all at once kind of show. And lots of the Apple TV shows have that like super high production value because yo, Apple bought their money truck to the party kind of deal. I mean, you can go listen to um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt on, at the very least, um, uh, Mark Maron's WTF talk about exactly how much they're willing to, like, help, and, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was like, hey, I, I wrote the first two episodes of this, but I would like help developing the rest, and they were like, absolutely, whatever you need. Um, but... It's, that's a very different environment than a streaming service that has been bought and sold at this point a bunch of times 
is now owned by the company that owns the other one of the other big three streaming services, which is Funimation, of course. And you probably have different budget constraints to what you're willing to spend, and you have a different you have a different mindset as to what you're looking for. You're looking for niche programs that feel like what your audience is nostalgic for, basically. And if you look at um, if you look at Freak Angels, it's got a very specific, narrow nostalgia slice that like isn't is something that I think people would think is like nostalgia for a good thing and nostalgia for a class and nostalgia for a classic thing. And that's true. It is nostalgic for a classic thing. But it's nostalgic for being three episodes into a Studio Gonzo show and realizing it's bad. <laughs> is what I will say. And if you know what I'm talking about, you're like, oh, that's what kind of show it is. Oh, that's what kind of show it is. And I just... And you go and you look at God of High School, and God of High School feels like, oh, feels like this weird high school fight show from the early 2000s, a la something like Real About High School. Um, you look at, um, you look at High Garden Spice, and once again, that looks like it's a American-produced show that's, it, it, it feels like a Rebecca Sugar show for a lot of reasons, and they took the entirely wrong direction promoting that and the entire, like, much of the anime community, especially the community on YouTube, just ripped them a new one on that one. And I just... I, but I stop and I think, and I'm thinking, like, a lot of these original shows are based off of web comics. A lot of... The ones that aren't are co-productions where their name is one of a list of a bunch of names on the um on the doc on the production committee where they are sh they're sharing in the in the risk but they're not getting the reward of a thing that's like ultra exclusive. And my guess is that they don't have the leverage to go after something that uh, that tons of other people would be going after because at this point they're competing with services like Amazon Prime, like a Netflix, like even a Hulu, or it, and it just doesn't, or even a anim animation studio that wants to produce it as its own thing and not necessarily as a thing under the umbrella of Crunchyroll, which is entirely possible because the, the reason why you agree to a exclusive deal with, say, Crunchyroll or Netflix is because... They're making it worse. Your they're making it worse. The time you will be locked in, or worse, being locked in. Period. Not even the time um, to that service for a the amount of eyeballs on your show, and b the amount of money you get 
from doing that exclusive deal. I mean, that's why Joe, that's why Joe Rogan took the hundred million dollars. It was worth it for him to do that. And it, it was a good business decision for him. And it gives him a lot of power in the podcast space. You look at something like, um, let's say, Be the Beginning on um, Netflix. That show is beautiful, but it's weird as shit. And it's not super well received. I did an episode on it in the feed you can go listen to. But it probably got more play than you'd expect it to, especially abroad because it's a Netflix it's a Netflix exclusive show. And it's a show that looks stunning, especially in previews. And so you you have this moment for that show where they probably said we'll get t- a ton more viewership and it will be a much more successful show. If we go, if we give, the, if we do this for Netflix and not just, you know, throw it up on the TV or like on YouTube or whatever. I think that, I think that Crunchyroll is in a really weird spot right now. Not only with the originals, but with the, like, general everything that they're doing is that they started as a gray market, quasi-legal, actually probably definitely going against the grain of legal is what I'll say, streaming site, where they basically collated all the different fan subgroups into one place you could watch. I mean, at one point, Crunchyroll had, like, Mirror 1, Mirror 2-style streaming. (laughs) And... So much, so many of the people work at Crunchyroll are genuinely lovers of anime. I mean, um, Evan Mento left and is now and started Izuki ultimately, but he he worked at Crunchyroll. Um, a ton of people have and still do work at Crunchyroll who genuinely love anime, who genuinely grew up with it. They are like. You and I, essentially. And I think that they are... I think that Crunchyroll as a company is making really interesting choices about what they want out of their originals because they they grew up watching the same things we grew up watching. They grew up with, like, the DVD from West Coast video of the bad Gonzo show that's in the middle. And so if you look at something like Freak Angels, which I'm going to talk about for the next third day show, don't you worry. It, 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 will not, it will not escape my ire. But if you look at Freak Angels, it feels very much like you rented a DVD from the West Coast video, which was a local video store for me, um, for much of my young adult life. And you got a you got a DVD that was just there that the store bought through a distributor, and the DVD came, and you but they only had the one that was in the middle. They never had the one in the beginning. 
So you've seen the middle of a, so you're starting in the middle of a show. Um, my infamous example is they had the the ending of Evangelion. So I actually saw the ending of Evangelion, like the one where everybody claps for Shinji and tells him he did a good job. Um, multiple times without actually seeing the whole damn show. And later on, I did see all of Ava, but um, the long and short of it is that that's what Freak Angels feels like. It feels like this like almost modern version of seeing a bad anime starting from the middle. And I don't, I don't think that's gonna do well for them. I think like. Old weirdos like me are gonna be are gonna are gonna laugh at him and be like, this isn't good, but I appreciate like the weird thing it's inspiring in me and possibly inspired by when like whoever said yes to this saw it. It's not good. <laughs> and I, I just I think that they are I think that if Crunchyroll really wanted to do originals. Someone there would have to go to Sony and say, this this ain't going to cut it. We can't be flying blind. We can't be flying by ourselves. We are competing with, you know, this, that, and the other streaming service, and they're spending millions of dollars on these shows. They are going... And doing these huge adaptations, they're locking up these exclusive licenses. You know, they're going after properties like Foundation. Like, um, Netflix went, went, and it went terribly for them, granted, went after Cowboy Bebop. And yes, screwed it up. But that's the consideration you have to have. I don't necessarily think... While I think a bunch of, I think a handful of people will be happy when they're like, oh, Freak Angel, my favorite webcomic, getting an an adaptation, great. I I don't think that's going to cut it. You have to have a bigger, badder attitude towards, don't go after something like a Freak Angels. Go after something like, and you can't do this because, you know. Other companies have locked it up. Go after something like a... Like a Scott Pilgrim. Go after something that... it Give more thought to... The potential growth of something... Than... It's just niche. The thing with Scott... The thing that... Like, made Scott Pilgrim the breakout success that it was, and ultimately got it adapted to a movie with Michael Sarah. Um, is that it was trending on a lot of what was cool at the time. It was trending on, like, a specific style of webcomic, it was trending on a specific style of indie comic. It had the music angle, it had the, like, romance angle, it had the anime-inspired angle. It had all that stuff going for it, so when somebody who was smart enough sat down and looked at it, they could say, like, this is, this is, this is going to be a big thing. Like, 
Edgar Wright looked at it and he was like, oh, yeah, I can make the shit out of this movie. I think it's an Edgar Wright movie. Um, but it's a long and short of it is I just, I, I think that, and I think that they might get it because Crunchyroll is, Crunchyroll is a successful thing that had been played hot potato with probably a little bit too much for its own good. And I think that Crunchyroll, if they want their next slate of originals to go smoother than this one, they ju- they need to put more thought and backing behind going after stuff that could be like really glorious original content. And also, you know, Cowboy Bebop is a live action remake. You could do like live action, you could do reboots of anime a la something like Card Capture Clear Card or something like, you, you could go after a property probably like say Eden of the East, which, it, which while certainly not super old, it's probably not new enough where you could go after that and you could go to a studio and say like, we want to redo this. Here's a, here's a bag of Sony money. Let us redo this. And then take it to an animation studio and say like, we have the rights to this. We want to redo this. Knock it out of the goddamn park. And you could release something like that. And I'm, even if it's just the thing that came to my head because it feels like it's the kind of show that if done now and done a little bit cleaner than it was done at the time would be a, like, a, you, you could you could put that up and you could get a New York Times article about it pretty easily. Um, and on that note, um, if you like this episode, new episodes of the show come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is about an indiv- individual show or property. Um, Sundays are more like this, where they're metatextual about the industry or about fandom or about, like, whatever I'm thinking about in relation to anime at that moment. And on that note, I have been Alex, coming at you straight from the perch. This has been Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition, and I will talk to you on Thursday.